up, Traders Point family? I want to uh, want to welcome uh, those of you that are tuning in at Traders Point Church online, wherever you may be watching from around the world. We've got a few staff uh, here in the room at uh, Northwest, and so good to be with all of you today. And you know, I. I really cannot wait until we can regather physically together again as a church. But until that time, uh, we will continue to be here for you online as we together continue to be the church right where we are. And I think that's one of the things that's just kind of God's reminded us of that. He's really been at work and continues to do some amazing things in and through these challenging times. I mean, so many of you in our own church family are just living beyond yourselves, demonstrating compassion and joy to as many people as possible. In fact, I just want to celebrate something today. Uh, we have a brand new watch party kicking off today. Actually, at the 11 o'clock hour, uh, Chase and Marina are leading a brand new watch party today. And so, I guys, just want to welcome you. Can we just give it up for them? Glad you guys could tune in. Uh, thank you for accepting their invitation. And I just want to encourage our whole church family during this time to just be gathering together uh, in groups of, of maybe watch parties, backyards. Man, when you can worship together with other people, it is just so good uh, for your soul. And uh, I also want to celebrate uh, one of our group leaders downtown. This is uh, Shay and Cadence. And Shay is one of our downtown group leaders. She leads a small group of, of uh, teenage girls uh, student, uh, in our student ministry. And she has done an amazing job of just encouraging these girls during this uh, difficult season. And uh, Cadence is a volleyball player. And so Shay got together with her this last week just to help her get ready for volleyball tryouts. And so I just love seeing that. And I just want to remind you that uh, if you are not in a group, we would love to get you connected to a group. If you've somehow maybe uh, taken a break from the group during the summer months, totally get that. But I want to encourage you to re-engage uh, with your group as we uh, enter into uh, the fall uh, season. And then lastly, I just want to celebrate this. Last Sunday, after all the services, we had uh, 19 people uh, profess their trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Isn't that amazing? We celebrate that stuff around here. And I... Uh, want you to know that that invitation is never closed. And so if you are contemplating that, if you'd love to talk with somebody about that, we would love to come alongside you, walk with you through that decision, and uh, set up a time uh, for you uh, to be baptized. Well, um, I don't know how many of you uh, remember this movie uh, from a while back uh, called The Perfect Storm. Any of you remember this? Starring uh, George Clooney and uh, Mark Wahlberg. They played fishermen uh, in the Northeast. Actually, the movie was uh, roughly based on true events where uh, they ended up going out on a fishing boat uh, on the open seas in the Atlantic, and they were confronted by three raging weather fronts, which unexpectedly collided, uh, producing one of the fiercest storms in modern history, and they were right in the middle of it. Now, I don't know about you, when I think about that movie or look at that movie poster, uh, 2020 sort of feels like that, doesn't it? I mean, whenever you think about this year, we are facing really three raging weather fronts of uh, a pandemic, racism and civil unrest, and political division. Now, you take any one of those three, then it would make for a challenging year, but we are navigating all three of those things. And what we have just come through and what we are continuing to navigate it's not for the faint of heart. Like, it's a thing. And it's really challenging. And 
Uh, it may be perhaps one of the greatest crises that any of us will ever face in our lifetime. And so I just want you to know right now that if you are feeling uneasy or uncertain, fearful, anxious, frustrated, maybe even angry, I just want you to know that that's normal and you're not alone. And right now there is a, a bit of a, a battle going on inside of all of our minds, regardless of who you are or your perspective. And we've got all these questions, you know, it's like, well, well, what do you believe and who do you listen to and, and how are we going to navigate through this and what do we do? And I don't know that anybody has solid answers to any of those questions, but here's what I do know today. And this is what I want to share with you as we kind of kick off our time together, is that right now, someone in your life is looking to you to provide direction and a sense of hope in the midst of the storm. Now, this is, I know it's easy for some of you to go, well, no, not me. Maybe you kind of give yourself a pass on this. You're like, but listen, I don't care how young you are or how old you are. I don't care what you do for a living or if you're on social media or if you have a following. Someone right now, even if it's just one person, is looking to you, your example, your speech, the way you live your life to provide some direction and a sense of hope in the midst of this storm. And I don't know, maybe it's your spouse or your kids. Maybe it's your grown children and they need you, even though they're out of your house, they still need you to speak truth and hope into their lives. Maybe it's a, a small group. Maybe it's your roommate. Maybe it's your employees or your coworkers, your neighbors or your life group. And don't we all, I want you to think about that one person right now that uh, maybe comes to mind when you think about the, the fact that maybe they're not handling all of this very well right now. And that's putting it nicely. Maybe they're kind of freaking out a little bit. Maybe they rattle off stats and headlines and conspiracies. Maybe they're reposting sensational stories on social media or dropping inflammatory statements into the comment section. And we all know somebody like that. And in those moments, you and I have a decision to make. We can't do anything about what they say or what they think or what they post, but we do have something to say about the way that we are going to conduct ourselves. And we have to ask ourselves, am I going to influence them or am I going to allow them to impact me? Am I going to contribute to the storm that we are all in or am I going to help calm the storm? You see, the greatest gift that a leader can give during times of crisis is a non-anxious presence. Now, that doesn't mean you have all the answers because I'm quite confident that none of us do. That doesn't mean that we have absolute certainty about where we're headed because none of us have it. But what we can have is some clarity. We can, we can add to the hysteria or we can be a calming presence in the midst of the hysteria. I'm reminded of something that it says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 9. It says, blessed are the peacemakers. And right now, would you not agree, both in the room and online, that we need more peacemakers in our world today, don't we? We need some peacemakers, some people in the midst of the storm who will be a calming presence. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear the word peacemaker. Here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you just roll over on your convictions. It doesn't mean that you don't speak up. It doesn't mean that you aren't wrestling with some fear and anxiety of your own. It doesn't mean that you have concrete answers or solutions. What it does mean is that you can have some clarity in the midst of uncertainty. What it does mean is that you have hope in the midst of the chaos. 
See, I, I would never wish this crisis on anyone, but at the same time, I do see it in a sense as a gift. And here's what I mean. I'm reminded of this uh, it's a parable. It's a story that Jesus told. And if you grew up in church, maybe you're, you're reminded of it. Maybe even if you didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard of this story before. It's the story of the wise and the foolish builders. And Jesus said, hey, there were these two people building a house. And one person was building on sand and one person built on rock. And you couldn't really tell which one was stable just by looking at it until the storm hit. And then the storm hits and then you can tell on which it was being built. Well, guess what? The storm hit. And those of us who might be panicking and freaking out a bit, may that be a, a red flag in our minds to say, well, maybe this is a gift that God is giving to me by his grace to say, you've been building with poor materials and you should have been building on rock all along. And here's the thing, it's not too late. It's not too late to start building on solid ground. Listen to me, I wanna to talk to the followers of Jesus right now. And I know that not all of us are followers of Jesus that are tuning in right now. And I'm so, so glad that you are joining us. I'm glad that you feel welcome here. But let me talk to the followers of Jesus. The rest of you can kind of listen in on this. As followers of Jesus, right now we should be some of the most stable people on the planet. We should be some of the most hope-filled, calm, resolute people walking the face of the earth. This should be a season where we are a calming presence in the midst of the storm, not adding to the confusion and the hysteria. But unfortunately, that's not always the case. You look back at history and you see that it was Christ followers in the midst of pandemics and plagues, the way they lived their lives, the way that they served others, the things that they said that actually propelled the cause of Christ forward. And now we've got another opportunity. We should be some of the most hope-filled people on the planet right now. And so today we are wrapping up our summer message series called Good News. If you're just now joining us, we've been studying through this letter in the New Testament that a guy named Paul writes when he is faced with a perfect storm of his own. Now here's the deal that we've been seeing every week is that what we've been reading Paul write about, like this, this isn't necessarily something that we've don't know. Like, likely we already know what Paul is telling us. And most of the time we just simply be, need to be reminded of what we already know, not necessarily exposed to brand new information. Because just because we know it with our head doesn't mean that it travels down here to our heart. And then it gets translated out into the way that we live our lives. And so Paul is calm and he's cool and he's collected even in the midst of the storm and he writes these words. I want to just look at verses 4 through 9 together. If you've got a Bible or a Bible app in front of you, it says, starting off in verse 4, Paul says, In the midst of the storm, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. So two things I want to point out to you. He says, don't just rejoice in the Lord when things are good. He goes, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he repeats himself. And uh, those of you who are parents in the room, you know that you repeat yourself when you're not quite fully sure that your kids are paying attention to you because they've got selective hearing. He goes, hey, hey, hey I know this isn't something you necessarily want to hear. Maybe you're focused on this issue over here. So rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm going to tell you again, rejoice and then he says something really interesting that I've never really noticed in these verses before. I've read this a, a bunch. But he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Reasonableness. Now some translations say gentleness. This is the idea that you're going to have like a, a level head. And you're going to be humble and you're going to be patient. And you're going to be calm. And you're going to be loving. 
And he says, let your level-headedness, let, let that be evident to who? Well, he didn't say, well, just to the people that agree with you. He didn't say just to the people that look like you or act like you or live like you or vote like you. No, he goes, let it be known to everyone. You go, oh, I don't know that I have anything in common with that person, but they're reasonable. They're gentle. They're calm. They're loving. And then he says this. Here's where you find the power to do that. Verse 5. The Lord is at hand. In other words, God is closer than you think. We have access to the Holy Spirit. We have access to God. And that's what gives us our hope and our peace and our reasonableness. And then he says these powerful words in verse 6. Do not be anxious about, and what's the word there both in the room and online? Say it out loud. Anything. Anything. Really, Paul? Anything? Even pandemics and protests? Yeah, any, anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. How? By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, just simply let your requests be known to God. It's just a simple thing. When you begin to feel fear, worry, and anxiety, don't let that turn in on you. You turn it up towards him through prayer and supplication. And he says, you just let your requests be known to God. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Isn't that easier to say than it is to do? And notice that there's no asterisk there. There's, there's no footnote, you know, or an exception to that. It's like, hey, don't be anxious about anything except, of course, politics, protests, paranoia, pandemics, panic pain, pandemonium, or killer pandas. All right? In that event, by all means, be anxious, especially the killer panda part. That freaks me out. No, no, no. He says, don't be anxious about anything. And then look at the result, verse 7. And the, say it with me out loud, peace. Don't you love that word, especially now? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which implies you won't understand it. It is a feeling that you have. It is something that you receive by faith. It is something that you put your trust in. And you say, God, I trust in the peace that only you can provide. And this peace will guard Notice sort of the, the defensive language here. It's going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I'm reminded of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, guard your heart above all else. Why? Well, it determines the course of your life. You want to know how your life is going to turn out five years from now? Pay attention to your heart now. Whatever's happening in your heart, whatever you allow into your heart, that's the direction that your life is going to go. And we see that it all really kind of begins with what the thoughts that we think in our head. Because he finishes up the passage in verse 8. And he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. That's application. And the God of peace will be with you. See, we're not going to get this right away. This all takes practice. And there are all kinds of thoughts that pop into our head. But you and I, we can't necessarily do anything about that. You can't control what the person that you're talking to is going to say and what that's going to produce in your head. We certainly can't control the headlines. We can't control what we see on social media. But we can control what we're, where we allow that to go. In our heads. And Paul says we need to not just be reacting to all of the things happening in this world. We need to be proactively 
fixing our thoughts. This is the idea of discipline and focus. I'm going to fix my thoughts on what is true and right and noble. So here's a principle that I want to give to all of us today. I want you to write this down. I want you to think about it, pray about it, talk with it, uh, about this in your families or your life groups. Here's the principle. What we dwell on in our head, it eventually determines the condition of our heart. What we choose to dwell on. Now, I'm not talking about thoughts that pop in. I'm talking about th thoughts that you allow to sit there and marinate. What we dwell on, what we spin on. Psychologists have a term for this. They call it um, ruminating. And it's, this, it's sort of like this idea, if any of you ever like, grew up on a farm, if you've ever been around uh, cattle or livestock, where they'll like, uh, eat the grass, they'll, they'll swallow it, and then they'll regurgitate it and then eat it again, and regurgitate it and eat it again. It's super gross because it is. But we often do this with our thoughts. I get something, I chew it up, chew it up, chew it up, regurgitate it out, chew it up, chew it up, chew it up, regurgitate it out, and I'm just spinning. It's not, it's not getting me anywhere. It's not helping. In fact, it's just adding to the unsettledness in my own heart, the fear and the frenzy and the hysteria. And as Christ followers, we do not need to contribute to this. Jesus said, in this world, you are going to have trouble. And you just fill in the blanks of everything that's giving us trouble. And he says, but you take heart. You find courage. I've overcome the world. And so there's all kinds of things that can cause us to be unsettled, but then we very quickly got to choose to do something with that. And, and Paul invites us here. He says, you just, you let that go to God. You present those requests to God and then you trust him. So uh, 23 years ago, I uh, was a junior in college. This was uh, 1996. And uh, I, I was going to Bible college and there's a bunch of, you know, sort of interesting characters that you meet on the campus of a Bible college. And there was one guy, I'll never forget this. Um, he uh, was really bright. He was articulate. He knew his stuff. Um, and he even spoke with a bit of a British accent. And those of you who know me well know that I have a little bit of an infatuation with a British accent. I just think it sounds so amazing. I wish I could preach with one. It would make all my sermons infinitely better. All right. And I've even given Siri a British accent. I, I'm, I'm all about it. And so this guy, he was really, really bright. And I remember um, there was lots of conversations on the dorm floor. And he had a particular belief that the end of the world was going to come before the year 2000. This was 1996. And he was convinced that Jesus was going to return before 2000. He had all of these scriptures. He had all of his, you know, uh, evidence. And he even believed that Prince Charles was the Antichrist. And he had all these reasons for that. And I remember we just would stay up late into the night eating Taco Bell. And we would have these conversations. And he was pretty convincing. And I got to tell you, there was maybe like a, a two-week period of time where... Um, it freaked me out a little bit. And here was my uh, uh, heart response to him laying out that he thought that Jesus was going to come by the year 2000. It was fear. It wasn't affection for God. It wasn't hope. It wasn't like, oh God, I trust you. It was fear. Like this whole like speculation around that. And I'm just going to be really transparent with you. I was praying to God and I was like, God, please. Like, I, like, I was like, it's not that I don't want you to come back. It's just I don't want you to come back by the year 2000. Because I want to get married. And God, I want to do what married people do. And uh, if you know what I mean, all right? And, and, uh, and God, I want to have a family. And I want to kind of travel a little bit. And I want to kind of, and it, and it scared me. And it and, uh, and here we are, 23, 24 years later. He didn't come, all right? Just want to clear that up. 
And here we are again. I've had a number of people say, hey, do you think these are the end days? Do you think Jesus is coming back this year? And here's the honest answer is that I don't know. And Jesus was pretty clear that he did not want us to speculate it. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, very, very clear. He said, he is coming at a day and an hour that you do not expect. Even Jesus one time would say, hey, hey listen, like uh, only God the Father knows. I don't even know. Now, I don't know if Jesus literally meant that, that he literally doesn't know. Or if he was just trying to make the point to say, hey, uh, if I don't know, then uh, you shouldn't speculate. Because often speculation just leads to fear. And God does not want you to follow him out of fear. First Peter says that his kindness is what leads us to repentance. That God wants you to follow him because of his great love for you and his grace for you. And here's the deal. When we're speculating about the end times, which Jesus said will come when you don't expect him to. And most of the time throughout the generations, we expect him to when the wheels are falling off. And he says, no, you just be ready. No, man, you just look forward to that day with great anticipation that God will one day return to make things right. Everything that has gone wrong through our own sin, rebellion, and pride. And it's not a scary thing at all. He is a loving father. Man, I don't know about you, when I was a little kid and I, my, my dad was away at work and I would get into trouble and my mom would say, just wait till your dad gets home. It did not increase my affection for my father. I didn't want him to come home because I knew that when he would come back, then, you know, he was going to punish me. And it's the same deal today. Listen, we serve a good, good father. And he doesn't want you to be afraid. He wants you to anticipate his joy and his hope that can be found in and through Jesus, even in the worst of times. And God has seen us through some pretty dark days in our past. In fact, I was uh, uh, reading this last week about the year 1919. And I just want to read an excerpt out of it. This is a little over 100 years ago. Listen to this description. It says, in 1919, World War I was over and most Americans were eager for peace and security. But 1919 would prove to be anything but. Revolution and unrest ran rampant across Europe and North America. The flu pandemic continued from the prior year with the third brutal wave in the spring. Terrorist bombings rocked seven U.S. cities in June. The first of a series of red scares began when the government passed an act that blacklisted anyone thought to be involved with communism. Race riots rocked the nation and hundreds of workers went on strike across the country. It goes on to describe that the presidential election that year was super divisive and Warren Harding got elected by about 60% of the vote. And the article concludes with this statement. Many historians today summarize 1919 as rivaling 1968 as the worst year in 20th century American history. And something tells me 2020 might give those two years a run for their money. And I only share that with you. To say God has seen us through some dark days in the past. And listen to me, he will see us through this as well. The question for us right now is on what foundation have I been building? Is it sand or is it solid rock? And I don't know what your answer is to that question. And maybe you might say, well, I'm afraid that maybe I've been building on sand. Listen, now is, it's not too late. Now is the time to begin building with solid materials. And if that's God's gift to you in this crisis, then 2020 is gonna be a pretty great year. See, right now, we are under an incredible amount of pressure. And here's what pressure does. Pressure squeezes us. Pressure reveals some things that are in there that maybe you and I need to be confronted with in our heart and in our mind that we can then give to God. You know, uh, when my wife Lindsay and I were dating, 
I did my absolute best to treat her uh, like the queen that she was and is. And I wanted her to feel loved and special. And I would open the door for her and I would write her letters and I would buy her gifts and I, I would always speak sensitively to her. And um, I've, I can't hardly ever remember in our dating years uh, losing my patience with her. But in the first year or so of our marriage, I did, unfortunately, a couple of times. And one big one, it was, the, it was the worst one yet. It was like our first couple years of marriage. We were living in California at the time. We didn't have kids yet. And uh, her mom and sister came out to visit us. And we took them to, to the Bay Area, to San Francisco, to visit one day. And uh, this was before the days where you had a GPS system in your car or maps on your phone. And uh, so I'm trying to navigate around the city. And, and I know this is going to sound like a, such a shock to all of you, but I got lost. And I just didn't know where I was going. And I didn't want to ask for directions. And I didn't want anybody's help. And I wanted to figure it out on my own. And I kept getting us lost. And I'm getting frustrated. And my sweet wife, she just wanted to help. And she just said something. She was just trying to offer a suggestion. Like, well, maybe you should turn over here. And instead of just receiving that from her, I, I, I snapped at her. It wasn't one of my finer moments. And it was one of those deals. You ever had this happen? When you say something that you know you shouldn't in the tone that you know you shouldn't say it. And uh, everybody just gets quiet. And that's what happened. And I immediately knew that I had embarrassed her and hurt her feelings. I had said it. Uh, not only was it bad enough that I said it to her, but I said it in front of her mom and her sister. I could feel her mom and her sister in the back seat uh, staring at me with judgmental eyes. And I knew what they were thinking. They didn't even have to say it. We knew she should have married Barry from high school. Barry's a doctor now, quite successful. Instead, she married Preacher Boy with love handles. That's who she married, right? And in that moment, the pressure that I was under revealed some things in my character that I knew that I was going to have to deal with. But you know what pressure can also do? Pressure and heat also produce diamonds. Pressure and heat also produce precious jewels. See, it's all in our perspective. It's all in where we're going to turn our thoughts. And right now we're under a tremendous amount of pressure and maybe some things are getting revealed that could be a gift from God to say, here's some things you need to work on in your own spiritual and emotional life for our good. And this is a pivotal season right now in all of our lives. And there is a lot of disappointment and pain and so can I just take just a second here just to say that I'm so sorry. I know that this year has been incredibly difficult and painful and we're just a little over halfway through it. And I'm so sorry that you've been disappointed. And I'm so sorry that maybe you've lost a job or you've lost income. I'm so sorry that that trip that you were really looking forward to, it got, it got canceled or postponed. I'm really sorry that your graduation didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to. I'm, I'm so sorry that the season got canceled. I'm sorry that you felt the sting of racist words and comments. The pain is very, very real right now. But right now, you and I have a decision to make. And the decision is, am I going to guard my heart and my mind? Am I going to allow the peace of God that passes all understanding to enter in? And that's a decision that you and I have to make right now. And say, am I, am I willing to lean into this and, and grow from it? To grow emotionally and spiritually. To grow in my marriage and in my relationships. To grow when it comes to my employees and my coworkers. In my personal finances, in my witness to the world. The world right now is taking note 
of how Christ followers are handling this and conducting ourselves. And as a result, on the other side of this thing, which we know there is another side of this, there will either be a whole bunch of people whose lives will be forever changed by Jesus. And their story will be, well, let me tell you, back in 2020, when we were going through it, there was somebody who was reasonable. There was somebody who was gentle in spirit. There was somebody who wasn't adding to the hysteria and the storm. They were a calming presence. They were Jesus with skin on to me. And that became real. Or there will be a whole bunch of people, unfortunately, that might be more disillusioned with the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the way that we conducted ourselves. See, when this season is a story we tell one day, let's make sure that our stories are worth telling. Let's stand out from the rest of the world and conduct ourselves in a way that is compelling. Jesus would pray it over us this way in John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. He would say, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Well, what kind of love? Well, just as the love that I've had for you, a sacrificial kind of love, you should love each other that way. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And right now, more than ever, the world is looking for someone to provide direction and a sense of hope in the midst of the storm. And 2020 is gonna go down in the history books as one of the most difficult and challenging years of our lifetime. And yet if we can allow the wisdom of Philippians 4 to guide our lives, we can also look back and say, that was also the year that everything changed for me. That was also the year that I started building on solid ground. Friends, don't let the chaos of this year create more chaos in your heart, there is a God who wants to give you peace that passes understanding. And I just wanna finish up by reading Psalm chapter one to all of us in our hearing. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. Listen, I wanna be like that tree that is planted by streams of living water, strong and secure and producing fruit in its season. Right now, this is an off season, but this is just the time for our roots to go deeper so that one day God might produce some things in our life that are eternal. Right now, if there's anybody watching or listening to this and you're not quite sure where you stand with God, I want you to know that today you can be crystal clear on that. That you can be saved by grace through faith. That you are saved by Jesus' sacrifice for you on a cross, his righteousness, not yours. And there is a loving father right now who says, listen, I don't want you to speculate in fear. I want you to, to respond to my kindness, my patience, and my grace. And so today, if you are ready to just cross that line of faith, listen to me, you don't have to have all of your beliefs in a nice and tidy order. You don't have to have all of your life cleaned up just yet. It's just simply a profession of faith in who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for you. Then you are ready. And so today, I just wanna lead you through this prayer. If you just bow your heads, close your eyes, wherever you may happen to be, and I just wanna lead you through this prayer that you can just make your own. Father God, I just come to you right now, and I just want to release my anxiety, fear, and frustration to you. 
God, I, I'm uncertain about what the future holds, but I today just trust you. I trust that you are God. I trust that Jesus is your son. I confess to you my sin and rebellion and pride that I've tried to live my life my own way. And God, I want to respond to the patience and the kindness that you've demonstrated to me through a cross. And so today I step across that line of faith and I openly confess that I want Jesus to become my Lord and my Savior. And God, would you meet me right where I am and begin to give me that peace that passes understanding. God, would you produce fruit in my life in season as I plant my roots near streams of living water. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I just want to you to know right now that if any of you prayed that prayer around the world, wherever you are, I just want to say, man, congratulations. We want to give it up to you right now. I know that that takes a lot of courage and strength, and you may have some apprehension in doing that, but I just want to say, man, way to go. And let us know in the chat, follow up with us. We would love to be in contact with you just to walk with you through that decision and to help you get connected so that you can continue to grow and to set up a time for you to be baptized. Well, right now we're gonna conclude our time with the worship team coming out and we're gonna sing together. We're gonna declare to God some truths about who he is and his character. And so I just wanna ask you, wherever you may happen to be, if you just stand and we're gonna lift up our voices and we're gonna sing to God right now in this time together.